enjoy. Um, but Philippians, I, I just, I like the things that Paul speaks to and the way that he goes about it. And so for the next, actually, this is going to take us right up to Easter. And we're going to walk through Philippians in kind of some bite-sized chunks. So hopefully that'll help you some so it's not so much. Some weeks will be more passages. Some weeks will be less, just kind of the way it breaks out. But uh, I think it's going to be a great series for us as we walk through it. Uh, just to give you a, kind of some tidbits to this, uh, this idea, um, Philippians is the only letter that Paul wrote where he is not trying to correct, create, uh, correct bad teaching and bad behavior. I mean, if you think about it, go look at some of his other books. The major theme in Philippians is joy and also encouraging you towards maturity, okay? And so, but you'll see kind of this overarching theme of joy in, in, in what Paul is talking about. So let me ask you, why is it so hard for us? This, this isn't necessarily audience participation of this one. I want you to think, why is it sometimes hard for us to really experience joy? Just think for yourself. Why do I struggle with joy? Um, you know, it kind of it's it, it kind of comes and goes. It's not it's not consistent for me. And I was thinking about this for myself, and maybe this will connect with you. If not, it's just for me. It's it's difficult for me sometimes to separate the circumstances and finding. You know, I can't somehow the circumstances and the joy. It's just tough sometimes, isn't it? It's sometimes just really hard to figure out that in the current circumstances, how my world's supposed to be joyful in this? And I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, don't, I just can't see anything joyful right at the moment, God. And then I was thinking, well, even on a larger scale, how about this? We ask people and or life to meet our joy needs. And that's just impossible. If you're asking your spouse or your children or your friend or the church or me or anybody else to meet your joy needs, they're always going to come up short, aren't they? They just will. I mean, it's just, it's just not that they shouldn't try, but th- there's always that tension that they're, they're never going to meet all of your joy needs. And then you're putting this expectation on them. Well, have you ever heard this phrase? You're not making me very happy right now. Matter of fact, I'm kind of mad at you right now. I'm not very, you're not giving me a lot of joy right now, honey. I, and, and something, I, my daughter, we're teaching her to understand that, that she has decisions. And all of us make decisions every single day. Lots of decisions. And she'll say some days, some days she'll go, Dad, you're making me kind of mad. And I'll look at her, and I, first off, I'll say good. And this, no, I'm <laughs> First, I'll say to her very clearly, I'll say, honey, Emotions, your decision to be mad at me is your choice. It's a choice. You may not like what I've said. You might not like what I've told you to do, but it's a choice. And so here recently, she'll say, uh, she'll say, Dad, you're making me mad. She goes, I know what you're going to say. It's my choice, but I want to be mad. (laughs) Okay. Just so we know, so we're clear. Now, flip side, flip that for a second. Joy is a choice. It's a choice. I have met people in horrific seasons of life and they found joy in those moments. I've watched people battling Alzheimer's with their spouse, people with cancer, 
people with prodigal children who have left and are not far away, husbands and wives whose marriages aren't great, and, and, the parent, and those people are finding their joy because they found it in the right thing, and that's in Christ. Amen. That's in Christ, because if I ask my wife to fill my joy needs, and that I, she's going to fill that bucket, it's, that's, un, that's unrealistic expectation. It's the same thing for me, vice versa. You're always going to have somebody that you're going to go, man, I, you're not, I'm just not very happy with you right now. Well, they're not, they're going to fail you because they, let me just help you out. They're not Jesus. Doesn't mean they shouldn't try. Don't misunderstand me, but they, they, they can't do it. Only one person can meet that joy bucket and fill it up for you. We just did a series about that. And here's the thing about, I think we miss sometimes. Those of you that have read Philippians, when, when Paul wrote this letter, where was he? Help me out. He was where? He's in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I could find a lot of joy about being in prison. I don't think there's a lot of joyful moments in prison life, um, but here he is, here he is saying, God has placed me in this, and, and you're going to see over the next few weeks that it's an amazing journey that God put him in this season of life, next week in particular. You're, you're going to love it because it's, it's a it's, it's a bit like Romans because it's like a math equation, which I didn't like math, but when it, when it comes to Scripture, I'm all about it. And so it's, it's like a layers. You just keep adding, and you, kind of, you get this, oh, okay, this is how this works. And so we see that his joy wasn't based on his circumstances. His joy was based on his relationship with Christ because he was put in prison because he was, people were being converted to Christ he was speaking about Jesus, and they were like, well, let's put him in prison. That'll, that'll, that'll shut him up. And it actually backfired on him. It actually backfired. So let me give you a couple things about when, you, when we're thinking about rethinking joy. Because if you're trying to get it out of circumstances of life, out of people, and out of situations, I, I love this. I've kind of, kind of put this together. Worldly joy focuses on hor- horizontal circumstances. That means this way. Means, means it's highly, it's, it's, you know, that joy is based on how you treat me, what you're doing for me. Did I get all the green lights going to church? Did I get to, the break, to lunch afterwards and it wasn't crowded? I got all my food when I wanted. Um, my kids were beha- behaving. Um, I got everything I wanted. So that's, that makes me joyful. Now I got to tell you, most of us go, what's your point, Danny? You know, and that, that horizontal though, doesn't it also eventually fail us? If, we, if it's always based on the horizontal, there's some point that somebody's not going to meet those needs and then our joy tank just gets emptied. What Paul is, is proclaiming and what Paul is, is doing is this vertical, this way. As a vertical joy reflects on our relationship with Christ. This way. Not that this can't happen this way, but you can't live here. You got to go this way because somewhere along this plane, somebody's going somebody's to not measure up. Some life issue isn't going to happen the way that you want. Vertical joy reflects on our relationship with Christ. It finds its, its joy even in the hardest of seasons because our joy is from our relationship with Christ. So even in the hardest of seasons, and I've seen this time and time again, people finding joy and living for God in very difficult circumstances. Let me read this to you out of Romans. Paul said these words. 
uh, out of Romans. I mean, you'll be, this will be a passage that if you've grown up in church that you'll be familiar with. This is out of Romans 8, 26 through, 20, 26 through 28. And he said this, says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for, we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches the hearts that knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. God is at work, and that sometimes you go, man, God, why is this happening? Why am I in this season? And instead of asking God to get you out of it, what if you started saying, God, what can you do through it? What can you do through it? And so we see that time and time again, that people who have a growing relationship with Christ tend to look at the circumstance of saying, okay, how can I honor God through this? It's going to be hard. I'm not going to tell you it's not going to be hard, but how can I honor God through it? Billy Graham said this, that the ability to rejoice in any situation is a sign of spiritual maturity. See, for us, now I want you to think about this. When somebody has gone through what, what, what most of us would determine, that's a, very un, that's a very unjoyous time, and yet they're finding ways to celebrate Christ, it encourages you. It encourages you. It, it says, man, if they can, I can. And Paul was doing that for his people. His people. So let's, here's what I want to do today. I'm going to read the 11 verses, and then we're going to go back and unpack them. Make sense? So let's go to that. Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Like I said, we're going to take this in bite-sized chunks. This is a letter. It's personal and it's heartfelt. So look at what he says. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all saints in Jesus Christ who are at Philippi with the other overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at what he says right out of the shoot, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with, with me in grace, both in, in imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the, of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for all, for all your affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent to, to be, be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And so he sends this initial response of, of encouragement, of I'm in this really bad season, but I really want to encourage you. I want to help you take steps. You've got an insert. And one of the things I did on the back of the insert is each week, there are just going to be some verses on joy. The Bible is kind of jam-packed with joy. So if you're going through a season of, man, I, I could use some joy, there's, I'm, just giving you, I'm just giving you a few. There are lots of verses on joy or the stories about joy. And God is at work. 
And so we see that all the way through the Bible, that God is a God at work using joy as a way for people to go, wow, that's God. So let's go back and look at this now for a little bit. First, verse, verses 1 through uh, 2, it says this. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, basically talking to all the Christians um, in Christ, who are at Philippi with overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the grace and peace is something that, that Paul says pretty frequently in his letters. This is not a new thing. You just go, grace and peace. Okay, well, let's look at what that means, okay? Because you may not really know what that means. Grace bestows on believers, uh, believing sinners, apart from any merit with God, merit within them. This is that basically that the grace is given to us. It's nothing that we've done. Let me go back to Romans you're going to be familiar with this passage, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to read verse, um, verses uh, 24 because it, it actually adds a layer to it. It says, and are justified by His grace as a gift from the redemptive, redeem, redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is, this grace that we get is not anything on our part. It's what Christ has done for us. And so this grace is this merit that we can't earn on our own, but was given to us. And so that's pretty important. And then the peace, we need peace, the peace of God for daily protection from hostile attacks on our mind and our heart. Have you ever had a situation where you just, it was hard to be joyful? Have you ever had that? Yeah. I mean, there's just, it could be a conversation. It could be what, take your pick. And it's just hard to be joyful. You're in that moment and like, I'm, I'm having a hard time being joyful. And this idea that we are to be joyful, Paul is giving us this model. He says, you're in it for a reason. When you're in a situation, you have a choice to be joyful or not. We do. I mean, you may not like it. You may struggle, but God is saying, there's something I want to do through it for you and around you. Uh, I hate to do this again. I should have just marked it. We're going to go back to to Romans again because uh, Romans Romans 5.1, look at what it says. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when you enter into a relationship with God, He gives you this peace. He offers it, and we have this opportunity to take the peace of God in our lives, walking with Him throughout it. And Paul took it with him into prison, okay? So verse 3, it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. He's like, think about this. He is in prison, and is that prayer about himself or about people? It's about people. He's not saying, man, God, why am I here? I'm wrongly, uh, I'm wrongly in prison. It's not fair. I shouldn't be here. I've done nothing wrong. I've not broken any technical laws. I'm just doing something that these people don't like. And you're throwing me, I'm in prison, God. He's not doing the woe is me. He's going, God, can you strengthen those people? Can you help those people to grow in their faith? And I, I just, I love, I love, if you're taking notes, uh, one of the first little takeaways, vertical joy grows when our prayers are less about us. See, when you're praying for other people, 
And when you're lifting other people up, that they're strengthened, that they're protected, that they're growing, that they're able to find some type of joy in the fact that their, their spouse just was diagnosed with cancer. They're able to find some joy of some kind that their child has left and is prodigal and is far from God when they're getting laid off from a job when a, a debilitating health thing just that's their that's where they are from this point on and it's something about praying for others that takes the focus off of us and we just we have an awareness for people and Paul did and, but it, because hear me he was not horizontally based on his joy he was vertically based on his joy and he was able to say, God, I want to pray for these people. These people matter to me. And he says, and I did it with all joy. He wasn't, it was, it was not great. So verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now, I am sure, oh, I love the sure part. If, if you, if you, I like words, uh, the, 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 the more I grow in this pastoring gig, the more I understand the importance of words in God's Word. You should underline sure. Because that gives you great confidence that God is going to finish what He starts. Okay? And it may take a while, but He's going to finish what He starts. I am sure of this. Now, the only reason He can say that, and you just have to go back to Romans. Because in Romans 8, Romans 1, He says, His I know the gospel works because it radically and profoundly changed me. So that's how he can say sure. Because he knows that God has done something extraordinary in his life. And he says, if he can do it in my life, he can do it in anybody's life. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to, it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He says, you are on a journey. And I'll remind you of this, that you need to find joy in the littlest of things with people. And here's, what, here's where we get it wrong when it comes to joy. We lose our joy when we say, man, you've got a long ways to go. We find our joy when we say, look how far they've come. Now, they may have only taken just a tiny little step, but let me just tell you, that's a step as opposed to none. You know, most of, all of most of you, if you're regular, you know that Beth and I adopted our girl. And, and, and when we first, we first came to our house, we realized that she had a long ways to go. She, she had stuff that, that, that came with her that wasn't her fault. It wasn't anything that she did. It was just what adults did or didn't do. And I, was, I had read that book and it was that, that kind of a roundabout quote was in there. And let me just tell you, that was life-changing for me as a father and as a husband and as a pastor and just as a person. That when we stop looking at people and go, man, you've got a long ways to go. Because that's where your joy is going to camp. And they're always going to disappoint you. But if you get back over here where Paul is and says, look how far they've come. And I, I, I look at I look at my little girl, Brad and I were talking about this, that where she was, um, when she came to us, she was almost five. And she's now 
just she turned six last November, and we were talking last week just about how much she has matured, and that she's not, you know, there are things that we've seen improvement on, but that we've taken methodical steps to help her, that we've walked alongside her, and and there's never been once that Beth and I went, man, you got a long ways to go. But you know, we keep thinking and I keep thinking is, man, look how far she's come. And when I think that way, then that fills my joy bucket because God is at work in her life. And I get to be a part of that. And I don't always get it right. I don't get it perfect. Don't, so that's, 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 that, 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 that went out the door the first week she came into our house. I wouldn't, the father part was like, okay, I, I feel like I was on the auto bond of parenting, you know, and but God is at work, and He's going to do His thing. And the fun part now is my, my little girl now is like asking me about baptism, asking me about Jesus, asking me, and I ask, this is a true question she asked me. One night I was tucking her in, and she says, Dad, why can't Jesus and Satan be friends anymore? I'm like, well, baby. I said, well, Satan didn't want to be friends. She goes, why? And serious. As I mean, serious. And so we had this long dialogue about why he didn't want to be friends with Jesus anymore. And, and she goes, that makes me sad. God is at work in somebody's life around you, and you get to be a part of it. Okay? Philippians is about not only joy, but maturity. And Paul is saying this in verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He says, whether it happens before, before whether you have died or Jesus returns, God's going to finish. God's going to finish. God's at work. And so a couple things about vertical, this idea of vertical joy. Because I really want to emphasize this idea of vertical joy. God is at work. He he finishes what he begins. His vertical joy celebrates what God is doing in others. Can you celebrate what God is doing in somebody else's life? If they have a spiritual breakthrough, if they get financial freedom, if, they're, if, they, if they pursue a, a older in life and get a degree, or if, if they go back to school, or they, if whatever it is, can you celebrate and go, man, I'm so happy for you. I am so happy that that is better than it was. Can you celebrate that? See, we've got to be able to celebrate stuff. Because if we go, man, because if you're in the woe is me thing, you never joy, you never have celebrations about other people. Because, man, God, nothing like that's happened in my life. Let me just tell you, God's doing a whole lot more that we're not very joyful about. Vertical joy celebrates what God is doing in our lives. Vertical joy remembers God finishes what he starts. We've already talked about that. Vertical joy, and this is, this is the hard one, vertical joy remembers that sanctification is a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like Chia Pet where you water it and the next morning you wake up and it's, it doesn't work that way. It takes time. And it takes a lifetime in some, you know, it just, it takes time. And I, it's, you know, when I was a youth pastor, watching kids when they entered the student ministry as sixth, seventh, sixth and seventh graders, and then watching them walk out as seniors was really fun because you could see them taking spiritual steps. And some took more than others. 
But I look back on some of the kids now who are now married and they've got kids and they're, they're living for God and it's like they're, they're pouring into their kids. And, and, and it's fun to watch and it's fun to see their stories on, on in social media about how God is doing these things. And, but everybody's on a journey. And some are taking some steps and some aren't moving very much right now, but they're on a journey. And just, just remember that when you're thinking about joy with people in particular, let me help you all too. You need to find joy in yourself too. Because taking spiritual steps yourself, you can find joy and go, man, I, was, I used to be here and at least I'm moving a little bit now. Maybe your prayer life, maybe the way you're, you're interacting with people, maybe you're taking steps and saying, I'm going to stop being self, you know, wallowing in self-pity and I'm going you know, to start being celebrating what God's doing in people's lives. But sanctification is a slow process and you got to know that. Paul Tripp said this, is that you don't have to be anxious about the future. A God of grace has invaded your life and he always completes what he starts. God is at the work of completion in our lives. And it's just a great journey. So let's keep walking. Verse 7. You get this feeling of intimacy with, with Paul. He says, it is it is right for me to feel this way about you, you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. He says, you all are in the same boat I am. You get the grace that I get. I don't get a special grace. I, we all get the same grace, and it's the grace from Christ. It says, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. He says, we're in this together. Guys, guess what? As a church, we're in this together. Some of you will take heat for your Christian values. Some of you will walk alongside somebody else because of the hard season that they're going through. But we do it together. That's why there's strength in numbers when it comes to church life and, and the Christian faith. And he says, we, it's so important that we do that. We're partakers. And I love it. He says, and, it, and we do it together. There's the body of the Christ stands up for this. Verse 8 says, for... God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you all with the aff affection of Jesus Christ. He says, God knows, God knows my heart for y'all, that you would grow, that you would share in telling others about Jesus. Vertical joy is revealed in our love for others. See, Paul, you get this right out of the chute with Paul, that he is, he is affectionately loving and passionate about the people that he cares so much about. He goes, he wants them to grow. He wants them to share. He wants them to be in this. The only reason that we know he's in prison is because he just told us, but is he, is he wallowing in self-pity? Is he going, man, God, this is so unfair. No. His focus is on Christ, which means his focus is on people and saying, oh, God, I want to help these people. Verse 9, and it is my prayer that you love, your love may abound more and more. And it's interesting because some people go, oh, you know, everybody should love. Ah, and then he adds, with knowledge and all discernment. See, as, you're, as the vertical relationship matures, look at what it says happens. Knowledge and all discernment increase. They go together. The more 
that you are, your vertical relationship with Christ is healthier, the more likely it is that you are to love and to pray and to encourage and stop saying, man, you've got a long ways to go and start, and, and, and your vocabulary changes to look how far you've come. And he says, you'll be able to grow in knowledge and discernment. Discernment is pretty valuable in our culture, making wise decisions. If you're, if you're not going, man, where, does the Bible speak to that? Oh, let me just help you out. Go read Proverbs. It's just jam-packed. Jam-packed. Okay, verse 10. So, and, and here's, here's why verse 9 is so important. Look at what Paul says. This is why verse 9 is so important. He says, so that you may be able to approve what is excellent. He says, so that as your vertical relationship is growing, you'll be able to figure out what's most valuable. That's really what he's saying. What's most valuable? What God cares about. He says, you're going to be able to discern what's most valuable, what's excellent, and and, and be so pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. He says, the more you grow in your love for God, the more likely it is that you're going to figure out these are the things I'm going to be about. And Paul did. Paul said, I'm in prison, but I'm going to be about the gospel. And I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm not going to sit in self-pity and go, I was wrongfully accused. I've been, I've been crucified. By, I've been vilified. And all I did was tell people about Jesus. This is so unfair. This is so unfair. Verse 11. He says, let me back up and I'll read verse 11 and, and 10 together. He says, so that you may be approve of what is excellent and so and be, easy for me to say, and so be pure and blameless for, for, the day of, for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. And this goes into Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay? He says, that fruit doesn't come from us, it comes from God. And because how do we know this? Because if you go into a Galatians and you read it says fruit of, it doesn't say the fruit of Danny, because that'd be fruit loops. It says the fruit of Christ. Okay. Just seeing if you're awake. He says the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Christ. See, the more that our, our relationship grows, the fruit of the spirit is manifested. Okay. Let me just tell you, your joy bucket's not going to get filled very deep if it's dependent on us. Just not because we're going to let you down. But when your bucket is filled with the, the vertical part is filled with Christ, you'll be able to find joy in some of the most craziest things. And, and, and I've seen this with people, that watching them walk with their spouse or a hard season, and they're going, you know what? God's, I'm going to give glory and honor to God. I'm not going to, I can't explain why this is happening, but I'm going to honor God while I'm in it. That's where you see the faith grow. And let me just tell you, that is contagious to people. When they see you living for God, when you don't really have a lot to be joyful about. It says, be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes, and he helps us out here, just like he does in Galatians, he does it here, that comes through Christ. It doesn't come through me, it doesn't come through anybody else, it comes through Christ, to the glory and to the praise of God. He says, the fruit is an opportunity for us to praise God and reflect Him. And joy should permeate our lives. And joy is, joy can't be based on your circumstances. It can't be based on people. Certainly they can help. But if they are, if they are what we surround ourselves with, it will always come up short. And so a couple of quick things. 
vertical joy knows the importance of growing. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you some uh, free um, apps that you can download off, off of a U version, which is a Bible app. It's free, and you, there's there's some really nice uh, devotionals to actually do the Book of Philippians, and you can pick, and they're all free. And I'm going to encourage you to do that through this series. Um, some of them are mid couple of like a couple of weeks, and some of them are a month. But I think it's worth doing is this idea of vertical joy knows. The, let me just tell you, the more that you're maturing in Christ, the more joy you're going to have. I'm just going to tell you. You cannot get joy on your own. You cannot get it through other things. It can only come through Christ. Vertical joy knows the outflow of maturity is a stronger fellowship and love for another. The outflow for us when we're growing, the outflow is that we, we want to love people. We want to help people take steps. We want to help them along their faith journey. And instead of saying, man, my season of life is so unfair. I don't get to do any of those things, God. I remember, um, how many of you know who Joni Erickson is? She's a famous author. Um, somebody tell me what, um, what was her major, what happened to her? She was paralyzed in a swimming accident at a very young age. Now, could she certainly wallow in self-pity and say, woe is me? She could have. But last I checked, she's written just one or two books and a few devotionals because she found her joy in Christ despite her circumstances. Despite her circumstances. See, when our focus is on Christ, when it's horizontally based, it's solid, we'll see through all of that stuff. She, I'm certain she had hard moments, but there was a moment for her that she said, I am not going to let this dictate my life. Because most people know her as the author, not the paralyzed person. Most people do. Most people know her as this amazing writer. And so that joy, that vertical joy, the outflow is maturing and saying, I'm not going to let my physical circumstances hinder my joy. I'm not going to let it do it. Vertical joy desires to make much of Christ. <clears throat> there was a, a priest that went into one of the most horrific prisons in South Africa. And the prison condition was, first off, it was overpopulated. They were a prison that could only, that technically held 500, and they had 2,500. And so they were in horrific conditions, sanitary-wise, uh, very few windows. They, they were, the overcrowding was unbelievable. And so God gave this pastor, this missionary, a burden to go to that prison. And people said to him, I would not go there. It's, it's a dark place. It's a very dark place. There is... The, the warden said, there is no hope there. There's nothing good there. These are the most hardened criminals you will find on the face of the earth. And the pastor said, that prison doesn't have a lot of windows, but it needs some light. 
And so that, that pastor went in knowing that he was going in. He was taking his life into his own hands, going into a prison of that caliber. And he walked in and he said, I'm going to start preaching the gospel. And slowly and methodically, they started seeing the light of Christ starting to penetrate the darkness. Because one person took the joy they didn't look at the circumstances because most of us are walking and go, I'm not going to that prison. And, but his vertical joy was such that he said, I'm going to bring the light. And even if it's one or two, within five years, half the prison had made professions of faith. And the warden went back to the pastor. And he said, I, 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 I don't even know what to say. What I have seen happen in here over the past five years, hardened criminals being transformed, hardened criminals who had no hope, having hope. And it's amazing because it only takes one person to bring joy into somebody else's life. One person. You have the opportunity to be joy in somebody else's life who doesn't have much to be joyful about. And I love this because C.S. Lewis wrote this great quote. He said, joy is serious business of heaven. Heaven is about joy because look what's been done for us. What's been given for us? What's, what's taken place for us is this relationship with Christ through what he did on the cross. It's there for the taking. And it gives us this joy that we, we could have. We could. But when our, when our joy is based on the, the horizontal and not the vertical, it will always have a ceiling. It will always come up with disappointment. It will always say, look how far we've got to go. Look how far you've got to go. Look how far I've got to go. Instead of saying, look how far we've come. See, when you start to look at what God is doing, you start saying, man, look how far we've come. Look at what, look at, because you, know, you know what, can't we do that in church life? Man, we still got a long ways to go. Can't we do that? Instead, we should be saying, look how far we've come. Anytime that we, somebody gets baptized up there or somebody makes a profession of faith or somebody makes a statement and says, I want to make this my church home, we ought to say, look how far we've come. And we should never stop saying that. And we should have, you should think about this week as you go out of here in a few minutes. How can I bring joy to somebody? How can I find joy in a circumstance? Because next week, I'm going to show you how Paul did that. I'm going to show you how Paul lived in a joyful moment, shackled in prison. You have an opportunity to be joy, but it comes from the vertical relationship, not the horizontal. And if you don't know how to get the relationship with Christ... I got four pastors here. We would love to talk to you about how to take a step and enter into a relationship with him. That's how it works. You can't get vertical joy unless you have that. Let's pray. Father, I have to say that joy is such a beautiful thing when I think about it from your perspective. That you rejoice when a child says yes to you. You rejoice 
when a couple finds joy in a hard season of life. You rejoice when a parent finds joy when parenting is hard or when their child is wayward. You find joy when somebody is going through um, a job change or layoff. You find joy when relationships uh, get, get bumpy at times and, we, and we, find, we find you through all that. God, I pray that our, our horizontal joy would grow because that gives us the ability to love, um, or excuse me, our vertical joy would grow so that our horizontal love would, be, would grow as well. That we would be in the business of loving others but first because you have loved us and that love grows. Thank you, God, for Paul's joy for people. And I pray, God, this week that we would have the opportunity to express joy, that we would find joy even in the crazy circumstances that all of us face. And I thank you, God, for that. I thank you, God, that you don't waste those things. I thank you, God, that that joy has an opportunity to be revealed to the world around us by how we respond to you. And I pray, Father, for the next few moments, maybe there are, is somebody in here, they, they don't know about this vertical joy, and they want to know how. And myself, Brad, Corey, Keith, we would be privileged to talk to them about that. There may be some in this room, God, that joy has eluded them for one reason or another, and they need to reconnect with you. And I pray over the next few moments that we would respond to the joy that is ours through your Son. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I'm asking you to stand. Altar is always open. If it's a place where you just want to come and pray, our pastors are here. If we can help.